you're listening to a collective of Mission City Fellowship. Collectives are classes for gathering and growing in grace together. In a collective, there's teaching and sharing from those in attendance, but we purpose to only record the teaching portion of the collective class. May this teaching bless you. May it deepen your understanding and knowledge of the Lord and His Word and lead to your growing affections for the Lord and His people. And so, impact the way we live life with one another at Mission City Fellowship. The gifts of the Spirit. Our statement of faith is there at the beginning of that on what we believe about the gifts of the Spirit. I'll read a section. So, um, it's flowing out of Christ's love for the church, His body, and, and He provides for its health and growth through the Holy Spirit. In addition to giving new life, the Spirit sovereignly bestows gifts on every believer. Spiritual gifts are those abilities and expressions of God's power given by His grace for the glory of Christ and the building up of the church. The variety of these gifts, some permanent, some occasional, some more natural, some more remarkable, reflects the diversity of the members of Christ's body and demonstrates our need for one another. The gifts are not to be exercised with apprehension, pride, or disorder, but with faith, love, and order, and always in submission to the authority of Scripture as the final revelation of God, with the exception of those among the apostles who were commissioned as eyewitnesses of Christ and made recipients of normative revelation. The full range of spiritual gifts remain at work in the church and are given for the good of the church and its witness to the world. We are therefore to earnestly desire and practice them until Christ returns. So in summary, I would say the gifts of the Spirit are given to the church for the good of the church and witness through the church of a living God and a glorious Christ until Christ returns for the church. Uh, I kind of marked out there out of 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. I pieced them together. Um, but it's interesting how, how he begins there in chapter 4. He says in the underlined part, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you read that, it's verse 7 it, it, of chapter 1, I'm sorry. Um, what does that sound like? It, it doesn't sound like gifts are, to, are stopping. It sounds like you have these gifts and the Spirit has provided in such a way that you are not lacking in what you need among the gifts until Christ returns. Right. There are some who make the argument that it's until the Scripture, the canon, is closed. Again, I get, I get at their argument, you have to do a lot more gymnastics to get there because there's nowhere that says that or articulates that. But the scripture does clearly say you're not lacking in any gift until Christ is revealed to you at last, right? So he goes on in the middle there, that underlined section, love never ends. And we know that Paul is pointing them to love. They love, they love tongues, it sounds like. You need to love one another. You need to love Christ. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. That's interesting. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Interesting. For we know in part, knowledge hasn't passed away, by the way. So, oh boy, if we say, because lots of sensationists say that this passage right here is saying it's done. These gifts are done. The perfect has come. These gifts are done. Knowledge has not passed away. We still very much operate in that. Um, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. So there's the, in a sense, imperfectness of our knowledge and our prophecy. But when the perfect comes, 
the partial will pass away. And what is the perfect? Well, when Christ comes again, all things will be made perfect, right? All things are not perfect yet, but there will be a day when all things will be perfect. That's when Christ comes again. This, for whatever reason, is like one of the biggest arguments for cessationists, and I think it's a horrible argument. I'll just be honest. I think it's, I think it's a horrible argument. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So they would be talking about what they would say the more miraculous. So tongues, prophecy. Like prophetic things, like what I just kind of shared, uh, healings. Um, yes. Um, he ends Paul the section, chapter fourteen. So what do we do? We pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So even to a church that may be abusing gifts, Paul doesn't tell them stop doing it. He tells them pursue love and you still earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I don't know about you, but when my girls earnestly desire something, oh boy, <laughs> right? Get out of the way. Because that earnestness is like, please will you give that to me? I really, really want to see you do this. I want this, daddy, please. Oh, my, my sweet, oh man, right now it's American Girl Dolls. It's like they've got this magazine of like hundreds of American Girl dolls. Lily's constantly reading. It's the sweetest thing. This morning, first thing, she's laying on the floor, and she has this American Girl's doll book right there. And she's like, Daddy, can I tell you something really quick? And I'm like, I need to, I need to get going, sweet. Can I just show you this really fast? Look at this. Joanna has these things. Like, it's just this constant. <laughs> she's just like, I, I really want this, Daddy. Will you, what do you think, Daddy? earnestly desiring is like I, I there's a passion behind it there's an eagerness there's a genuineness I do want this the church is to genuinely desire these things not necessarily hesitantly do we need to do it wisely yes scripturally yes fearfully mm. we can wrestle against that earnestly There are four major New Testament passages. You can go look at those um, that talk about the gifts. 1 Peter 4, I'll highlight one of them. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Okay, it's right there. Oh, my. We think, oh, man, we don't want to be... <laughs> we don't want to be hesitant. Ah, well, how can I say this? Ah, let's just keep going. <laughs> Sorry. Just keep going. I'll talk more about it in a second. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Why do we want the gifts? So that God may be glorified and that we might serve one another. That's what should motivate our desire for the gifts. The gifts don't become about us. Rather, the gifts are all about God. So then when we use our diverse gifts in God's power to serve others, they are to draw great attention to our God. 
if you come from a cessationist past and have some reluctance about the gifts because you've seen them used in ways that are bad or abused or unbiblical or whatever it might be, first, preaching is the number one abused gift in the world. So tuck that away in your heart first. But we don't stop preaching. We, give, we hold people accountable to it and we grow in it, right? So if we're going to talk about the abused gifts, let's first talk about that one. But if you've come from that, where you've seen it done poorly, where it draws attention to people, you should know that's wrong. And we don't see it that way. We don't think these things draw attention to ourselves. That Ariel, I don't want Ariel thinking, man, Phil, he's, what is up with him, man? He's holier than other people or he, whatever it might be. I'm not Jesus. I am, I am pointing her to Jesus. I want her to know that the only way I know that, that's what makes it even more supernatural, is I'm just some Joe Smo who's weak and silly and hardly knows anything, but yet I could know that about you. It's because there's a great supernatural God. The God of Mount Sinai is right here with us. Oh my. That exalts the Lord even more that he would use creatures like us. We want to avoid making the gifts about our glory, just like Peter said. We want to use it to serve others and to glorify God. So all that God does is good. So then the Spirit's work, which is God's work, is to be considered good too, including the gifts. And not only are they to be considered good, they are to be earnestly desired, lovingly used, and done to the glory of God. So we are continuationists, which means we believe the full work of the Spirit is continuing on in the life of the church until Christ returns. Um, I'm going to skip over this for a little bit here. Uh, I kind of hit on this earlier with the, the idolizing thing. One of the errors that the, continu that the continuationist slash charismatic world can be prone to make is to put an overemphasis on the gifts, making the gifts the main thing instead of the person and work of Christ, which is the gospel. Um, we also don't want to swing hard the other direction and despise or neglect the gifts. It's interesting, Paul bookends all of the, the letter to the Corinthian church. He bookends it with highlighting what is to be the main thing. So in chapter, chapter 2, verse 2, he says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's going to talk about the gifts. He's going to talk about all sorts of stuff. But I decided to know nothing among you except Christ crucified. And then at the end, what does he bookend everything with? So everything in the middle, and then he, the front and, and end, 1 Corinthians 15, 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance. Is it the gifts? Is it prophecy? Is it speaking in tongues? Is it emotional worship? Whatever it is. No. Of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. We don't want to exalt the gifts. We want to use the gifts to serve and to exalt Christ. All right, some gifts we are prone to despise or avoid. Those three are the big ones. Prophecy, tongues, healings. Um, healings is interesting because it says gifts of healing. I think most of my life I considered it a gift of healing. 
But it says gifts of healing. So what it seems, now just know, man, even charismatics disagree on some of these things, okay? But I'm going to give you what I think about this. Um, and I don't think these are, well, yeah. Gifts of healing seem to be many types. Um, I think there, there are people who have a specific burden upon their heart to pray for others that I think God gives them about specific things. Maybe the Lord gives them a sensitivity to a specific area and the Lord uses them and they pray and some are healed. I've, well, so there was a man years ago. This is one of those moments where I was skeptical. There was a man in our church. We were playing, uh, had a church picnic, playing football, and this guy was way too old to be playing football, but he was out there. If y'all see me at a church picnic trying to play football, just stop me. Just say, just stop. Go sit down. Um, I'll do that. Um, he slips, tears up his knee, goes to the hospital, is limping from that day on, painful for like a couple years in the church. The church begins to have things like this where we're just teaching. And so the church says, let's just, let's, let's not just act crazy in this. Let's not start singing the song, run, 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 you know, from our brothers. Where, let's, let's not go hunt that down and start singing that. But let's at least start praying for each other, believing that God can heal us today. And so after one service, this man goes up for prayer, limping, as he had for years. And he comes back not limping ever again. And he comes up to me. I was running sound that day. And he comes up to me, and he's like, look at this. And he's like doing his legs, and, and he's an older guy. And he's like, you know, and I'm looking at him, and I'm a little, I, I feel almost, almost ashamed because the way I looked at him, I I actually heard him share later. So I'm looking at him and I'm like, okay, maybe you just faked it for two years, essentially is what's in my heart. Wouldn't that be the impulse? That was my impulse. Maybe you were just faking it. That's quite a gig for two years. Later on in Sunday school, like the next week, he's sharing. And we had Sunday school, so before service, he's sharing about that. And he didn't know I was in the back. And he shared, I went, up, I went up to Philip and he looked at me like I was crazy. But I, I actually feel ashamed for how I responded to that man. From that day on, I never saw him limp again. That's amazing. He's still in the church. I saw him, I went last year and saw him there. I am ashamed for how I responded. I called, I was a skeptic at what God was doing. And I essentially called evil what was really really good I don't want to do that I'll be honest though there is still a cautiousness at times I think there's a guarding even scripture lays that out if there's a prophetic word we're not to despise it but what are we to do we're to test it right we're to test it does it align with scripture does it align with the character and heart of God that's revealed in scripture or does it not if it doesn't, then I would say it's not to be shared. And, and I think people grow. As we grow in maturity, we grow in some of that too. Um, so I don't think it's like one of these things where you're immediately there to be cut off. 
if they share something, but I do think there's a growing that needs to take place. Um, so we test it. Um, so gifts of healings. Um, I, th- I don't think we should hesitate to pray for one another and ask the Lord to heal. Tongues is a big one. Tongues is debated. It's, it's, one, of these, it's one of those where is it only foreign languages or included when, when Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, if I speak in the tongues of angels, um, when he's talking about tongues, that it, it, some people say, hey, it's only something that if, it, if there's an interpretation, that's the only time it's used. It's not a personal prayer language. But then Paul says, if I pray in, in, essentially in tongues and my mind doesn't know what I'm saying, I do think it can be used as prayer. I think it's edifying to us. We see that. He, Paul says that. You edify yourself. So it, is, it has an edifying effect to the person themselves, even if their mind doesn't understand what the words are saying. That's what Scripture says. You know, there are people who mock tongues. I don't think you can teach tongues. The charismatic world, you see some people do that. What I hear, what I hear in the charismatic world sometimes, the TBN charismatic world, I would say I don't hear tongues that way. What I have experienced sounds different than that. So since we're talking about the spirit here, I don't have, I don't have every gift, but there was a day when I was still in Midland, I was overcome by affection and emotion in the preaching of the word. The sermon was done, and I felt like if I opened my mouth, I was going to burst. I was overcome with emotion. And I went up to the pastor at, at the end of service, and I just said, with, with like whisper, would you, would you pray with me? And he just said, oh, yes, buddy. So we just go right there in the front, and we just sit down, and he prays. And he said, buddy, why don't you pray? And I started praying, and something came out of me that, that wasn't normal words. And I was a young man at this time. And I, I didn't know exactly what to do with it. I wasn't like out of control. I wasn't in a trance. I wasn't in that kind of stuff. But I was speaking. And freely, it was as if that's what was coming out. So I think there's more than just foreign languages happening. I think Acts... What we see at Pentecost was something unique. I think the Tower of Babel was being reversed, right? I think uh, uh, Joel was happening there, the call of Joel. There's this sign of judgment that these foreign languages, all this stuff's coming in now. I think that's happening. But I think what we see in the ongoing life of the church is something a little different. Can the Lord give foreign words? Yes. There was a point not long ago I was praying for a young person and the Lord gave me a word that looked like Japanese or something. And I type it in my phone, and it means swamp of death. And I go to that person, and I find out that this person was wearing like a Japanese shirt. <laughs> and I said, do you like Japanese, all that? He said, yes. And I said, well, I think the Lord knew I was going to meet with you, and I was praying for you. And I think he gave me a word that he knows that you like Japanese, and he wants to speak something to you swamp of death I think the Lord can do that 
I don't usually have that happen. But I do pray in that way. Before coming here driving, I was praying like that. And then I pray with normal words. It's interesting because as Paul gives instruction there, he says, pray that he may interpret. So it's almost as if the person doing the tongues may interpret the tongues. I think the result of that is a normal prayer. Praying a normal prayer with people. That you're praying to God, maybe even in that language, and then you pray out loud in the normal language. This is debated, but that's what I think I see in Scripture there. Um, Again, I don't think it's taught by people. I think it's to edify. I think the Lord knows I'm such a weak little guy that I need something like a groaning of the Spirit when I don't even know what to pray. And I think he meets me in that. So prophecy, um, just to speak a little bit on that, I've already kind of spoke on that. Uh, I would say is the human telling of something God has spontaneously revealed or brought to mind. Um, I mentioned about the big P prophecy, Moses, right? These guys are big P prophecy. But then, I think that's what God is getting at. The big P prophecy, whenever he's talking to Moses and he says, okay, Moses, do you guys remember that? Is when uh, his, his brother and sister are revolting against him and God is addressing them. And with Moses, I speak as one face to face. And that would be like Christ. Deuteronomy 18 is pointing to a prophet like that, who speaks face to face, who is like Moses, who will lead God's people. That's what the end of Deuteronomy 18 is talking to. Not just any Joe Smo prophet, but to that prophet who's claiming to be a leader of God's people. Yeah, if he gets it wrong, there's serious consequences. That's an anti-Christ if he gets it wrong. He's an anti-Messiah, but Christ didn't get it wrong. That's why in John they're saying, is this the prophet? Is this the one like Moses who will speak face to face to God and now be with us? Okay, so we're covering some grounds there. But we see then with Moses, as he speaks face to face, he speaks to others as with riddles. Well, as I get a picture, like what I just shared with you, sometimes feels like a riddle. I don't know if that's really happening in them. I don't know all the points of application that might be there. So here's what I need to do. I just need to share it, walk humbly, share what the Lord, I believe, has revealed, and then trust Him to act. And here's what I found. I don't always... Some people try to force application. We see that in in Acts, in Acts 21, whenever Agabus comes... So there's another one who didn't write scripture. I would say little P prophet. But he comes and he says, he ties up himself. Do you remember? He ties up himself and he says, the one who's tied up, whose belt like this is, this is what's going to happen to you when you go into Jerusalem. And then everybody interprets that and says, see, Paul, you're not supposed to go. Don't go. But Paul says, don't do that to me. The Lord already told me I'm going to suffer like that. So I'm going to go. We can misapply what the Lord reveals. Okay? We can do that personally, or others can do that. So in that sense, it's imperfect. It's a word that may be perfectly revealed, but yet through the interpreter, it can be skewed and misapplied. Um, We see Philip's daughters. He has four daughters. What are they called? Prophetesses. 
We don't hear a single thing about them anywhere else in Scripture. They didn't write Scripture. Some, the reason why I bring that up is because some say only the gift of prophecy is writing Scripture or speaking Scripture. That's not it. Um, we have kind of this whole, what's been known as the school of prophets with Samuel um, and, and First Kings, uh, where there's just hundreds of prophets. They're hiding Jezebel with Elijah. Jezebel's going to kill the prophets of God. And so there are hundreds of them, and they hide them. They don't speak Scripture. So they're... Are you following me? Um, so these are unnamed prophets. <clears throat> I think prophetic power of the Spirit is happening more in the church than we realize. I, I think, kind of what I mentioned earlier, when a truth is brought to mind to share with someone or to share with the church, I think that's a compelling of the Spirit, that the Spirit knows what's going on in someone's life, and now he's bringing the truth to apply it like a bomb to their life. Spirit's revealing something. <laughs> I think that is a prophetic power and move of the Spirit. I think the Spirit's moving in this way as a person is placed on our hearts to reach out to them. The Spirit is revealing that person needs care now. Do something. Act. Go. That's the Spirit. It's the Spirit speaking and moving and acting. And then I think it can happen through a picture or a word. But the Lord will give a word, like an actual visible word or a picture. There was a point, there was one time. So all three of those, I think, can happen in the life of the church. And I think as we walk in all three of those, oh my how much care could happen in the life of the church? Isn't that what we're told? Uh, the, the gift of the Spirit here, the prophetic uh, sense, is, what does it say? For the, their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation, comfort. So it's to build up, it's to encourage, and to comfort people. And then as unbelievers hear it, they say, the secret of their heart is revealed, is what he says. There's the revelation part. The secret of their heart is revealed. The hidden things of their hearts revealed. And they turn and say, truly God is among you. Right? So it affects the believer and the unbeliever. So for the believer, it's building them up, encouraging them, comforting them. Whether it's a scripture applied, a, a moment of care they're brought to mind, or a picture revealed where God is saying, I'm going to reveal the hidden things of your life right now. I'll give a couple there. So I was in a prayer time. And I had a picture as we're praying of a guy in the room. And in the picture, I just saw almost above his head this image. And I couldn't tell the image because that would have made me impure. But I knew that was an impure image and that he had looked at it. I didn't speak out right then, thus saith God, you there have done this. But I did wait afterwards, and I went to him, and I said, Brother, can I run something by you? As we were praying, I had this picture, and I realized I can miss it. But have you, have you recently done this and maybe been unrepentant? And he starts crying. He says, yeah. So he prays right then and repents before the Lord. 
the Lord is kindly working. So we are not out of control. That's become a thing of charis- the charismata, that we're out of control and it just overflows sometimes. There is a still a sense of control. There may be emotion, great emotion that comes, but we're still in control in a sense. There's still an order, an orderly way, and it can be done in a way that builds up. So think of that. Anything shared like that should build up in courage and comfort. Building up may mean turn away from that sin, right? But it's not coming to you and blasting you now with that. So how can that play out in our, in our church? So I think on a Sunday morning, and I think in our prayer meetings, um, for instance, I was praying. We have our young adults. We have that this, sun, this Sunday, a young adults gathering at our home for lunch. I almost forgot about it. Um, we always spend time in prayer afterwards. And we're praying, and we're just praying. And I'm asking the Lord, Lord, do you have anything for anyone in here? And sometimes there's something, sometimes there's nothing. And one time, I saw one of the girls in the room, and I just saw her. Not, not I saw her in my mind. She's going like this. And she's sitting there going like this. And just this, like, you know how in a dream you can know something about something without being told that something? It was like that. I knew there was migraines there. And so, were you, were you there that day? I don't know if you were here yet. Were any of you young adults there that day? Okay. This was before you guys came then. So it was Miranda. It was Miranda. And, and so I just pause this for a moment. I say, hey guys, we've been praying. I want to just let us give some time to pray for people specifically for health stuff. And I just said, has there been anyone? So this shows also my lack of my growth, I get hesitant to, has there been anyone maybe wrestling with like headaches? And I'm looking right at Miranda. <laughs> and I actually, and, and when I say that, because everyone still had their eyes, you know, closed, heads bowed, and when I say that, she look, opens her eyes and I'm looking right at her. And I said, Miranda, have you been having migraines? And she just starts crying. And I had no idea. And Stephanie's sitting over here and she goes like, she just told me that she's been having migraines the last two weeks, has never had them before. And I just got to tell her, Miranda, how cool is that? That it's not because of me. How cool, you have a God who knows, and I'm sorry, I keep looking at you, Bobby Joe, like you're Miranda. <laughs> you, have a, you have a God who is living and active. He knows you and he wants to care for you. So can we pray for you then? And we just prayed for her. That's cool. Um, so it, ha- it can happen in our prayer meetings. And here's how we grow in it. Here's how I've grown in it. <clears throat> Don't try to add more than what you have, than what's been shown. Sometimes there's a scripture passage connected to it. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes there's application. Sometimes there's not. Just, show, just share humbly what you've been shared with and just leave it up to the Lord. Often what I have learned is just to go and say, hey, look, I know I see in part. I want to just share this with you. I was praying for you, and I had this come to mind. Does that mean anything to you? And often what I find, well, yeah, often it, it, it does mean something. There have been times where at first they're like, mm, no. 
In fact, there's one person in our church, I, they actually shared this with other people. They said, one time, you know, I had shared something with, with this person, and they said, at first it didn't, I didn't think it applied. And then later something happened, and that truth immediately applied on me. So here's, I'm just trusting that. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to leave it. I'm just going to turn it over to the Lord and pass this on to you and let it go. And I'm going to grow. Um, if you're walking in that, you're going to grow in that. But again, those three things, a truth that the Lord may bring to mind to share with someone or even to share with the church. So in light of that, we have a microphone on the side of the, up, up on, on like, I'm going to say stage. It's not a stage, but up on the front part. We have a microphone there where if, if, if someone feels as if the Lord may have put a scripture on their heart or a picture, they can come up and first, because we think there should be testing, first we say, share that with a pastor. It's been a while since we've shared this, so it's probably good that we're sharing this again. Share it with a pastor first. And that's where we feel like the testing comes in. And there are times where, so there's been a point at our previous church where I had, like I had a guy come up one time and I just said, you know what, brother, I think that might, I knew where we were in the service and I just felt like, why don't you hold on to that? And let's just trust the Lord's going to have you share that with someone, maybe after church. And so there's, there's a leading of the spirit too, but we're trusting. We want to hold it with open hands humbly. Um, so even at our previous church, even though I was a pastor, I would still go to other pastors and say, hey, I had this picture. I'm wondering about this. What do you think? And they can say, yeah, why don't you hold on to it? Or they can say, yeah, let's go ahead and share that. I've done that at the youth retreat um, uh, often. So there's a humble way of going about it with that testing of, of what's being shared. If, well, for instance, Kelly has come up one time a while back. She came up to me during a service. We were singing and said, you know, Pastor, I, as we're singing, I had this scripture passage out of Jeremiah. I still remember, come to mind. And she's sharing, and I can hear her, even there's a compelling in her heart. And I, 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 uh, I feel like it, that maybe the Lord wants to apply that to someone who is wrestling in this way. And I said, great, let's share it. So we go up, and I think the way we would want to do it is off to the side, not even looking at the church, just there off to the side, making less of us, right? Um, but she went up, and I said, just share exactly, like share what you shared with me. And she goes, whoever was leading singing died down. She shared the scripture passage, shared what she felt like the Lord wants to apply that to someone who may be wrestling in this way. I can't remember if you prayed, I think I prayed. I think I explained what we were doing. I explained what was happening, and then we sang. And then what's wild is Juan was leading that Sunday, actually, because then Juan sang this song. He just sang this song with a chorus, and it was a new song. It was completely new. So I said, okay, Lord, you're going to do it all on one Sunday. <laughs> here we go. I got a lot of explaining to do here. But it was beautiful. And so many people I remember who said they came from a hesitancy that when they saw it happen the way it did, that it just exalted Christ and it just gave them a peace of heart. And it served, it built up. You see that a lot in our family of churches, actually. So there's a healthy and good way to walk about that. 
Um, so in a, in a corporate setting, like on a Sunday morning, I would say it's, a, it's appropriate to test that before sharing with the whole congregation. Come to an elder, and we will walk you up there and explain to the church and all that. Because we're still young. We're, we're learning as a church, some of this stuff. On a personal level, I think it's very appropriate to reach out to somebody if the Lord puts these things on your heart and mind. But just know, don't treat it as authoritative word. Scripture is authoritative. Treat it humbly and, and graciously presenting it to the person. Okay? All right?